Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. I want to kick off 2022 with a fun episode about special interests. This week's release is a recording of one of our Global Autism Community exclusive events, featuring autism self-advocates Thomas Island, Mary Johnston, Ryan Litchfield, Jeff Snyder, and David Sharif, as well as community moderator Kia Burton. In today's conversation, we discuss fan fiction, animals, painting, traveling, advocacy, Batman, and Star Wars. In this episode, discover what's possible when you trust your interests. To learn more about the participants in this discussion, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. Roundtable discussions like the one you'll hear today are open exclusively for members of our online global autism community. We select a different theme each month, and our moderators monitor posts daily to ensure that our online space remains safe and respectful. If you'd like to attend and participate in any of our future events, you can sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community at community.globalautismproject.org. And now, I present you the Global Autism Community. Why don't we go ahead and go around and do some brief introductions first? Tom, you want to go first? Certainly. I'm Thomas Island. I'm in Santa Clarita, California, just north of Los Angeles. And I'm a certified human potential coach and a Toastmasters International accredited speaker. I have a business I'm starting called Come to Life Coaching, based on the title of my book, Come to Life, Your Guide to Self-Discovery. And Jeff. My name is Jeff Snyder. I am one of the moderators for the Global Autism Project's Autism Knows No Borders platform. A little bit about myself. I am also from Massachusetts, uh, about 45 minutes south of Boston and about 10 minutes from Providence, Rhode Island. And I was first diagnosed with autism at 21 months old. And upon my graduation from high school, I became the first student with autism in the Seacom public school system to have completed pre-K through grade 12 without coming from other towns or school districts. I have also been living in my own apartment since 2015. And in addition to that, I am a autism neurodiversity self-advocate and public speaker. And I run a website and blog called Going Distance. It's the main website for my speaking engagements, my interviews. And if you ever want me to speak at a future conference or event, feel free to check out my website and you can figure out how to get in. And you can look at my inf contact info if you want to reach out to me. Also, I am a contributor to the book, This is Autism by Jessica Leichwise and Aiden Almond Cooper that is currently on amazon.com for $19.97. And if you want to get your copy signed by me at a future event, I'd be happy to sign it for you. Mary, how about you? 
Hi, everybody. I'm Mary, and I run a blog called Autistic Rainbow 15. I actually started it last year in quarantine, and I really love running it because I get to speak about my life as a queer neurodivergent activist and get to meet other people like me and just spread awareness and acceptance and really get to connect with new people is a really enjoyable part of it. And I also really love these meetings that I get to do with you guys because we get to discuss important topics. Thanks, Mary. And David. Hi, I am David Sharif. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, now live in Queens, New York City. I am a magna cum laude graduate of Pace University with a degree in political science and peace and justice studies. As an autism self-advocate, I am thriving to still do speaking engagements, but thankfully before that, I have been on more podcast episodes and have done more moderating, which I am very fortunate to be doing with moderating these wonderful roundtables with all of you. My name is Ryan Litchfield, and I am a autism and disability self-advocate. Hi, everyone. I'm Kia. I'm a native of Atlanta, Georgia, currently residing in Texas. I'm a board-certified behavior analyst. The populations that I typically have worked with are adults with disabilities that are in like a transitional phase to independent living and focusing on vocational skill as well as, well as severe behavior. So severe self-interest behavior, severe aggression, those are kind of my specialties. And I'm a moderator with the Global Austin Project. So you will see my face a lot in the community on several posts throughout the week. All right. Now let's jump right in. The first time I heard the term special interest was just in the autistic community. So I was wondering what the difference really is between special interest and hobby. Well, I would say like a, a hobby might be something you do to kind of kill time or have fun, whereas a special interest is where you want to know everything and anything about it. Like you will devote yourself to uh, books, websites, movies, basically know every single detail about that particular subject or topic. So I think that's what makes it a special interest where you're like an encyclopedia or dictionary of everything on that particular subject or topic, whereas a hobby is something you you know a lot about, or you, you might have a talent for, you're, you're good at, you might not know every single thing about that particular hobby, but it's, it's still something that gives you a sense of fun and meaning. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. A special interest could also be like, when it comes to a movie, something you could watch like a hundred times and never get bored of. Yeah. For me, I really love the Frozen movie. I've seen that movie like 80 times now not sick of it, can recite the entire thing and guess the lines before the characters do. My parents look at me like I'm crazy whenever I put it on. They're like, this again? And I'm like, (laughs) yes, this again. (laughs) So that's another way of saying that you have a special interest is you literally know the movie by heart. Right, right. For today, I was thinking that we could Given that the topic is special interests, I think it would be fun if we could focus on one person at a time. Maybe we could just go around and you guys could take turns sharing your special interests and the other community members can jump in and ask questions. Fair enough. 
Who would like to go first? I guess I can go first. One of my interests is I write what is known as fan fiction. And for those who don't know, fan fiction is stories based on movies, television shows, books, any form of mainstream media. As a matter of fact, um, as we're um, recording, I was in the middle of writing a short story based on the wild thornberries. The wild thornberries will be to be precise. And one of the things about fan fiction is that it's a way of expressing yourself through media. You can express yourself in ways that you otherwise can't figure out how to express in real life. And that was also part of the reason why I created Going the Distance was because I wanted to find a way to express myself because as a neurodiverse individual, I struggle with a lot of processing. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you on this podcast struggle with process, sensory processing disorder and just processing in general. So fan fiction writing and what I do in blogging with going the distance allows me to express myself in ways that others may may struggle with otherwise. And let's be real here. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of you out there that struggle with certain scenes or show endings that, or movie endings that you really don't like or wish you could do better. Well, that's the thing with fan fiction is that when it comes to fan fiction, you can take what's displayed in front of you and just kind of make your turn your own spin on it. And just recently, um, two years ago, I started a continuation of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic because I, of course, I was, I was upset with the, because, you know, I was sad the show was ending and I didn't like how the series finale played out. So in a way to kind of, you know, tweak things to my own image, as well as kind of keep the show going from my perspective, I created MLP season 10. And I also included more um, celebrity guest stars in this fan fiction series. My first uh, two uh, celebrity guest stars were um, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, if you can believe that. And so far, it's gone over 200 likes. I'm in the middle of wrapping up season 13. I'm trying to get it done before Christmas as well. So that's in the process of getting uh, completed. And, you know, doing uh, these My Little Pony um, postseason projects gives me a chance to kind of keep a show going that I I like from my perspective and also also gives me the chance to kind of, you know, also branch out into other types of media as well. Because in addition to My Little Pony, I've written a lot of Disney fanfics. Of course, my biggest one, was the Jungle Book of Jane Porter from 2013 through 2015. That's on fanfiction.net right now. And also, I mean, I've, I've got plenty more uh, fanfictions uh, to come. I have a question for Jeff. How do you get the ideas for your stories? Well, it, it's more about, um, you know, just looking back on certain scenes or certain um, movies over and over and over again that's kind of my way of get, drawing out ideas and, you know, trying to picture how things could be done and things of that sort. How did you get into the writing? When did you start it? Of course, when I was in grade school, I found a way to, for creative writing. I found my creative writing niche 
first was my eighth grade English teacher who kind of inspired me to kind of embrace my creativity. But it wasn't until I got into high school that, um, particularly in grades nine through 11 of history, that my creativity really kind of soared because I would take history projects and kind of put my own twist on like, you know, the E true Hollywood story. I would take these, I would take these, you know, history papers that I got to do and I would kind of, you know, turn them on their ear and kind of make like an E true Hollywood story style episode out of it. So. I really love that when people share that teachers inspire, whether it's interest, you know, going to a certain school, because I think a, a huge part of an educator's job isn't just to teach, but it is to inspire. And I know that those teachers that if your eighth grade teacher was to hear that, they would say, you know what, I did one thing right. So I just love that you point that out. And I know that probably what each of us do share, that's a kind of common link is that some kind of like educator or teacher was an inspiration for something in our lives. So just, I love that you had that, you know, positive experience with someone. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jeff. That's super interesting. And you are an amazing writer. If anyone has not yet read Jeff's blog, I recommend you go and do that right after this meeting. (laughs) Post them in the community, guys. Check the blogs out. Jeff knows I'm always looking at the blogs. They're so good. So yes, second to what Rachel said, take some time to read, read the blogs. They're really phenomenal. All right. Who would like to share next? I'll go. So I have a lot of different special interests, but some of the ones that have stuck with me for a long time would be Disney, Star Wars, art, and Broadway. So I really love Disney because I like seeing the very like creative people come up with stories. And I've seen behind the scenes stuff. They have these storyboards like all over the wall. And it's so cool to watch like how they develop it from like the boards to like the animation. I really love the characters. Broadway, I just really love like theater and being able to turn like emotions into songs and plays and stuff. I love Star Wars because it's really like action packed and exciting. And I also really love animals. Animals are a special interest of mine. I love dogs, but I unfortunately never had one before. I will get to have one when I move out, which I'm super excited about. I really want to get a golden retriever, a golden doodle, or maybe a German shepherd. Those are like the top three breeds I really want. Or I want a lab too, maybe a lab, because I really love their personality. Like they're super fun and bubbly. And I got to pet my neighbor's golden retriever today, Maple, and she's so sweet and she really likes me, which is really fun. She just keeps like running over. And a really funny thing about Maple is she's super attention seeking. So if you pet her, she's like super happy. But the minute you stop petting her, she'll slap you with her paw. (laughs) And she's kind of telling me like, "Um, excuse me, like we're not done yet. So I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. So I give her like a little head scratch and she's looking up at me like this is the life right here. Like, keep going. And I stop and she's like, "Um, no, no, you're not done yet. Keep going. (laughs) But yeah, I love her. And I love like getting to see all the neighborhood dogs. And I saw Jack Russell today. And they're like, oh, your dog is so cute. And they're like, oh, thanks. 
And I may or may not have made an Etsy board for my future dog of things that I want to get them from like toys to cute collars and leashes. Like I'm really excited about it. And I also really love cats because I really love how like independent and funny they can be. I think all animals kind of have like their own funny like personalities. And it's funny because my last cat, he was more kind of like dog-like. He would like follow us on walks and he'd always want to like sleep with us and hang out with us. He unfortunately passed away, but um, he's always with us in our heart. But I do have another cat, Shelly, who's still alive and she's super cuddly. It's funny because she loves human food. So we actually have these crackers in the house that she really loves. And if you put them near her, she'll try to bite it and like eat it like a little person. It's really funny. That's just another reason why I love animals. They're like little people trapped in bodies. (laughs) I just think it's really funny because they can't communicate like humans can. So you kind of have to guess it. But I think that's why autistic people love animals so much is because we kind of understand them through nonverbal communication and we can kind of like understand what they want and kind of like read their minds. But I think that animals can really tell like who's a good person or not. And I think it's really fascinating when they pick their people because I always think they have a reason when they pick us. Like they think that we're safe or protecting or they want to like protect us and cuddle with us and I think they have so much more intelligence than we really give them credit for and I'm really interested in kind of like studying the science behind like their mindset and like when they get really excited and stuff like their emotions because I just think it's really interesting. Thanks Mary. Any questions for Mary and her special interests? Yeah, I have a question about um, the art specifically. I know in the in the community, you and I kind of shared that interest of art. And you said you kind of started around age five to seven. So I just wanted to know, was there a certain, you know, person or something you might have seen that kind of inspired that at such a young age for you to start liking art? Because I also started liking art around that age. So I just kind of wanted to know the inspiration about Uh, behind that specifically with like the animated art like you were saying so all kids like kind of start doing art like kind of under their parents influence is what I think but then a lot of them kind of like outgrow it like oh yeah whatever that's just something you do when you're three but for me it never really went away and as I got older I just got more fascinated by it so my parents saw this and they put me in dancing lessons they put me in theater And I loved it so much. And I actually did it for two, three years. And then when I was around seven, my parents got me a sketchbook for my birthday. And I quickly, over the years, just kept filling up like sketchbook after sketchbook. And I kind of found my own style. And I really learned like different techniques through like YouTube. And I like to sing. I'm not very good at dancing, but I just do it for the fun of it. but I love watching other people dance. I'm completely blown away when I see other people do it. I would say my biggest inspiration for loving the arts would be my dad. He's also very creative. He knows guitar and he likes piano. He listens to jazz a lot. So I grew up in like a very creative household. 
So he definitely um, showed me a lot of things. And he would always be like my biggest supporter in that. Like if I wanted to go to like piano lessons or dance lessons or theater, like he'd be like, okay, yeah, let's sign you up, you know? And I think that's another reason why I started loving it so much because I can express my feelings through art. I can express different like emotions in my characters and I can kind of show how I feel through it. So that's another reason why I like it. Mm. I have a question, well, kind of not related to the arts, relating to pets and animals, which you talked about earlier. Considering that you have been thinking carefully about getting a dog when you move into your own residence, before I ask my question, my cousins have a golden doodle who cooperates extremely well. But now on to the big question. Have you ever thought about getting a mini poodle? Because my forever and always BFF's family has a mini poodle who doesn't even bark a lot. Sometimes he can or can't chill out. But from what I have observed, mini poodles are pretty good with learning to behave better than other dogs. I mean, I can't take it out of other people's perspectives but have you ever thought about getting a mini poodle or some kind of dog that's meant to be a smaller size um i actually haven't thought a lot about that i have heard that poodles are a very intelligent breed and i might in the future get a poodle or like a poodle mix like a labradoodle or a golden doodle because they're hypoallergenic and my dad is allergic to dogs. But because I've always had like really great experiences with Goldens and Labs, and I really love their um, personality and their temperament. They're really good with training. I was looking into in the future, getting like a professional trainer to help out. And I think that I might go with those two dogs. I've also heard that they're really good with um, autistic people, which is another reason why I consider them. But I think most likely my future dog will be a golden doodle or a golden retriever. Understandable. All right. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for sharing. I'll have to send you a picture of my dog. (laughs) He's actually, well, maybe you could see him right now. He's Kind of sleeping right there. Oh, oh, that's too sweet. That is so sweet. What kind of breed is he? Well, he's a Spanish breed. It's called a Bodeguero Andaluz, but he looks like a Jack Russell Terrier. It's really cold here, though, so I always have to like wrap him in the blankets. <laughs> oh, that that's just so sweet. Yeah, I'll I'll send you guys pictures in the community. I actually saw Jack Russell Terrier today. And I complimented the two friends that were walking them. And they said like, oh, thanks so much. And the dog was like super excited, like running down the street. It was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Who would like to share next? I guess I would be more than happy to go. I have made art in countless fields that I could bring up a plethora of. But no matter what I chose, I always made art. But the big thing I always made art through was world travel. I have been to 
40 countries in five of the seven continents of the world. I have made art while sitting on a train, riding a taxi cab, persevering on long plane rides, handling the stress of delays, cooperating with cultural differences, and acknowledging that miscommunications will happen anytime, enjoying the amazing scenery of the open sea on a cruise ship, and any other kind of artistic representation that captivates me to feel more intrigued with. After traveling with my family countless times, and I still do to this day, I started traveling myself when I was 13. It was to New York City to visit my family or go to my favorite city and then upstate to a resort that I went to frequently when I was a child called Mohonk Mountain House. I made a lot of art over there through boating, skating, hiking, tree, cookie decorating, and many other things that I've done up there. Beating my brother in billiards, though he's beaten me several times. Swimming in the pool. But then where I really made art the most at the beginning of my independent journeys was going to sleepaway camp in the Poconos, Camp Havaya. Camp Havaya is based in South Sterling, Pennsylvania, a two-hour car ride from New York City and Philly, a direct triangle. At Camp Havaya, I nourished everlasting friendships that were unpredictable. It was more unpredictable that I would find my long-life best friend and this all happened the summer before high school. Even if it were to go on a camp out, jump off the trampoline and climb it while in the lake, or to kayak in the lake, zip line over the lake, try new food, and then eventually go beyond the woods, which is going to another theme park and trying a roller coaster where I would feel the adrenaline going on me, trying new games, and still having trouble comprehending historic stories from the Jews, and celebrating Shabbat in a different way than what I was accustomed to at home, and how I felt so intrigued. But the major turnaround to all of the friendships and what I was more accepted and included for was delivering an autism speech that I wrote prior to my bar mitzvah, which I gave at numerous schools all over the L.A. area. And this was the first time I delivered my speech out of my home state without my family being the spectators. I was not nervous one bit. I was ready to deliver it, and I was self-confident that my life would change for the better, that I would build these friendships, and that I now know that I have a second family, and I do have friends out of my home state. And with that expansion, I know who is better for me, 
And I know that I found greater ones as greater and probably greater than my school friends. Because back in school, I was triggered the most. I was considered to be the person where I was triggered about my worldwide expeditions and all of the other experiences that I was fortunate to have. And the triggerness happened for undefined reasons. I couldn't find an answer to it. I didn't know why and I hated it. I was able to find it at the end. And I never wanted to share it to anyone except to my family or if anyone asked me to. I was mistreated because people were envious about what I was going through and how it was making me progress fast. And that is where jealousy can happen anytime. Even though it's not my intention to make others jealous, I can't change how they would perceive what I share. So that was definitely one thing I had a hard time acknowledging. If I ever wanted to share something that I loved out of world travel, then I would have not even one sentence to say it. And then I would hear a pessimistic remark out of somebody's mouth after I share it. They would use these words called obsession. And I like other things outside of just one thing. There are many assumptions as to why people say I go to that place or why I should or shouldn't. And I have been told about it several times. I've said how much I love New York City. I was called obsessive when I chose to go to college there. When I shared my opinion on a movie, all I heard was one reason, and I never had the opportunity to say a word out of my mouth and share why I like this movie. Because a big fact, and for many reasons, I don't always like movies that just settle in New York. While I have made art through other things out of travel, I have other major interests that connect to my travels. But summer camp has been one of the biggest impacts of the mall, even from the legends who have inspired me to get to where I want to be, like Kobe Bryant right here on my poster, my forever and always biggest inspiration. <laughs> Boy, you did not deserve to lose your life in a tragedy. Ugh. Okay, but back on topic. So that's kind of where it just all kicked in. And I really couldn't find a way to get through all of that hatred. And I never expected that to happen. So I also made art with persevering through hatred that I did not deserve to experience. I want to read something that will have meaning for everyone and for others around me. This is my camp family. And my camp family has been my greatest family out of my normal family and the other supports that I've had. When I got mistreated in school for sharing my worldwide expeditions, my camp family was there. When I came home from school feeling heartbroken by the bullies trash-talking what I love, 
my camp family was there. When I struggled with my examinations and got poor results, my camp family was there. When I was anxious about being admitted into my dream school, my camp family was there. When I got berated about my post-high school plans with the potential to achieve my goals, my camp family was there. When I had bad nightmares in darkness or good dreams under the lights, my camp family was there. When I lost my way towards being who I am and didn't know what to do, my camp family was there because they were there for me. In school, I had photos of them in my binders and in my lockers, and I kept all of them with me as a guide as to what should I do. I take the advice they gave me, and I also use that to live with what I'm going through. And so if I ever had to share any interest, the most kind of art that I made is through my world travels, connecting them to my love for basketball, baseball, bowling, movies, shows, and any kind of specific artistic creativity that I would think of. And I also used my own creativity to what I've explained when persevering with the brutality and mistreatment that I did not deserve to go through for an undefined reason. So to wrap up, for my interests, my life of living with autism has been all about making art to whatever I choose. Thanks, David. Any questions for David? Jeff? Well, I do want to make a comment about the uh, about the summer camp. I was not that big a fan of summer camp growing up. I mean, I did a couple of tours of summer camp when I was in middle school, and then I did one tour when I was in high school. But summer camp is kind of one of those things that can make a big difference in somebody's life. And I know for a fact that, you know, just from listening, it had a really big impact on you. So. I have a question. Yes. Where's your favorite place that you visited? Like anywhere in the world specifically? Mm hmm Barcelona, Spain. I did a semester abroad over there. Mm hmm Yeah, I think I remember you telling me about that. Cool. All right. Any other questions for David? What was one of your favorite like activities that you did with other people at camp? And did camp help you like connect with new people? Oh, countless ways. But to be concise about it, it was all about connecting with each other through friendships, being ourselves, and knowing what it takes to be there for one another. And we were very serious about taking action to ensure that not a single act of mistreatment would happen. That was the kind of art we did. But then also moving forward with it, it was mainly about what makes camp fun for us. That's the big question we ask ourselves. David, I give you a lot of credit, you know, for traveling across the world. I haven't traveled across the world. I mean, I've been pretty much stuck in, in my own state, but you know, what's great about travel, I think, you know, from watching the movies and television stuff is it's like you can compare contrast like what you see, you know, from there, from actual real life experiences. And, you know, from what you're describing, 
And as you know, you're able to, you know, gather all of these great real experiences and gain a lot of insight into, you know, the, the real aspects of life. And, you know, I'm sorry to hear the people that, you know, call um, those travel things obsessions, because I don't think they're obsessions at all. I think the people who consider those obsessions are the people that a have any don't have the education or the knowledge or and they probably have not had the actual experiences of going to those places you know sometimes people say more and and do things that they shouldn't be doing i think that's the wonderful thing about life is the sky's the limit as they say but i think you know it, it's wonderful to be able to experience different cultures different food different music you'll learn about the good and the bad. It's a history, you know, life's a history for each and every single one of us, but also across the the globe. And you just gain more knowledge and experience over the course of time. And you're able to share a lot of different stories, you know, among family members and friends. And I think they're amazing experiences and stuff. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you for your acknowledgement to concisely and briefly add on. I do appreciate the ones who have had trouble or have not been able to get the wonderful experiences that I've had. And I have been fortunate to connect with them and I acknowledge it. But if you're willing to not be kind towards what I am going through or to learn about what I'm doing or what I have been lucky to have gone through, then I will not respect what your experiences are will be or what they are. It's plain simple and straightforward. I had no idea of how else to explain that. Thanks for sharing, David. Anytime. Kia, do you want to share a little bit about your interests before you go? Yeah, I can do that. My special interest is, I have a few, but probably the one that sticks out the most is I am a watercolor artist. So I do like to paint with different media uh, mediums I've used Oil, acrylic, but watercolor is by far my favorite. As Mary stated earlier, that inspiration for me and just art in general was started at a young age. And then I think when all of my friends kind of grew out of it, my parents both are pretty artistic, but specifically my dad in the realm of both like visual arts, musical arts. So I was always encouraged to, you know, continue to pursue that. And like Jeff, I do have an inspiration from high school. Her name was Mrs. G. I'll never forget her. She's my art teacher. I just saw how she liked felt when she did art. It's a certain feeling that you, you know, you can get from it that can help you like navigate different things that you're going through. So for a while, I kind of got away from it when work and grad school and all that stuff got busy. And then just kind of figuring out what specific realm of art I wanted to like really dive into again and end of last year I was like okay I really want to explore watercolor more so from then I started watching YouTube videos I think Mary also said that like watching YouTube videos I literally just watch people paint um then I went to my Michaels I got all my supplies and I kind of figured out my technique and style and over the past year it's just crazy to see that like development with that. So yeah, that's, that's mine. I, it, like I said, I do it in my leisure time. I do it as a coping uh, mechanism sometimes. 
I do it when I'm overwhelmed. I just do it, you know, whenever I pre I have a little travel set that I take with me wherever I go. So if I go on vacation, I always bring it. Like David said, like on airplanes, things like that, to help me get through long delays, flights. I bring my little art set and I have different, you know, versions that I can take. I think for me also it's a it's been a good tool. I have um two nieces and and they see me do art and then, you know, they want to do it as well. So I love that something that I'm interested in, just the kind that I have for myself also inspires others. Is there a certain style of watercolor you really like to do? Yeah, so I like a loose style the most. So what that basically looks like is, you know, there's no under sketch. There, it's just me going in and doing a loose type of, scenery from it the only time I do more structure is I have done some pieces that are portraits of people but more of like a loose type portrait and I do enjoy that but just kind of more so loose I've recently gotten into landscapes landscapes is a different ball game but I kind of like like loose style very free very whimsical watercolor itself is a very free flowing uh, medium because of how you work with the water and, and the paint but yeah, I just, I, I really explored like color theory a lot this summer to see what goes well together, what complements each other well. And then I like to do florals a lot. So I'll do, I'll do that to kind of like warm up. But I think, yeah, I think mostly like just loose free flowing style is kind of what I gravitate towards. Are you working on a piece right now? Yeah, I'm actually working on things towards my nursery. For those that, that do not know, I am pregnant and um, baby is due in April. So like that's probably the most exciting thing. I do. I paint the size fruit that he is every week. But the next, the, the biggest project I am working on are little pieces for his nursery. I'm thinking like, you know, little baby animals, things like that. I do not paint animals. So I'm trying to learn. And it's so far, and so it's so good. So that's probably the biggest project I'm working in, working on. But in between that, I am just kind of just painting whatever sceneries, flowers, landscapes, things like that. I have a question, but before that, I want to say congrats on your upcoming arrival. I am so excited to see some loving, precious photos. <laughs> Have you been managed to have a room where you could keep all of your artistic representation and like keep it as a brief display for visitors, like when they go to an art museum or something like that? Actually, I don't have that right now. I paint in my office, so it's not really like it's a fun place or I paint outside. But I do um, one of my, like, what do you call them? Like must-haves in a house um, that I talk I tell my husband is I really want like a sunroom that can also serve the purpose of an art studio because I don't want to just be confined or, you know, to painting only outside if it's raining. But I love the idea of painting in a space that I can see outside because I am very inspired by nature. And also, yeah, that would be a great place if people want to come to the sunroom and I can display my art and come look at it versus them like coming to my office and also seeing like work stuff everywhere. So that is a goal of mine to have like a designated space that's like my 
our studio. That's also a, a, a place that I can get inspiration from the actual the place itself. I hope you do. That's going to be hard to accomplish. But once you get that, you can just have your own imaginary museum. Yeah, you know, it would be great. And thank you to everybody. I see the comments about the congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I will share pictures. Yeah, I was going to say, when you should post it. that arrival comes. <laughs> oh, I meant post pictures of your artwork in the community too. I'd love to see that. Oh, yeah. I think that is a good idea. Maybe, uh, Rachel, how we were saying earlier with like the people seeing of your dog. Maybe yeah. that could be kind of one of our, maybe like next week or something. We can, in that week, we can maybe post pictures or like Jack, you can post, you know, one of your articles from your fact of your fiction, David, from one of your travel pictures, you know, marry your love for all of your pets and your art. <laughs> That's a really good idea. All right. Who would like to share next? Tom or Ryan? I'd be happy to go. Okay. So my special interests, which I haven't really done in a little while because of the pandemic and all that. But one of the things I love to do is public speaking and blogging. So all surrounding autism advocacy in general. And with like public speaking, that started right around my junior year of high school when my speech and language pathologist asked me and another student on the spectrum if we want to go to an elementary school and speak to kids to share our personal experiences with autism. And that experience was actually very rewarding. Not only were we able to, you know, promote awareness and advocacy about autism, but all these kids had great questions about like, you know, what's your favorite sport? What's your favorite video game? What's your favorite uh, color? What's uh, all these different questions that aren't necessarily related to like the topic of autism, but it just gave us, you know, a sense of like, you know, they they look at us as people and not just, you know, people with autism. Because I think one of the most important things among all of us, you know, on the spectrum is to be looked at as people and not just people with disabilities and, you know, looking at our strengths and talents. And then over the course of time for the last seven years or so, I've been doing public speaking about different aspects of autism, you know, autism and driving, autism and, you know, post-secondary education, autism and employment, talk to law enforcement, clinicians, health care professionals a variety of different people, even families and, you know, communities that are affected by the autism spectrum. A lot of times that's like one of the top fears that people have is, you know, not being a fan of public speaking. But I think, you know, that's why I have a voice to, you know, try to promote awareness of autism, especially, you know, I think about when I was diagnosed at two in the 90s, I mean, it was one in 10,000. It was rare. And now today in the United States, I'm looking at the recent number. It's like one in 44 individuals in the United States. Now, I don't know if that's 100%, but I know that the numbers have been continuing to increase in terms of the rate of diagnoses and the number of adults on the spectrum in the U.S. are also increasing as well. The other piece I was going to mention, too, is blogging. So I've been starting the blogging through on my website, Ryan's Voice, which I want to say was either I started like two or three years ago. I don't know the exact year that I started the uh, website, but I like to promote, again, advocacy and education around topics um, related to autism and aging, as well as um, other health topics that are disability related and like disability awareness and all of that. And, uh, 
you know, one of the things I hope in the future to do is expand on that, you know, to promote more awareness and advocacy to agencies. Because I think, you know, especially like I said um, a moment ago, you have more adults now, excuse me, on the autism spectrum that have probably just been diagnosed. You know, long time ago, people thought, oh, autism is just a childhood disorder. But now it's, as we've seen across the lifespan, it's affected a lot of different individuals and stuff. And I think, you know, one of the unique things about us as, you know, autism neurodiverse self-advocates is that we share our lived experiences. And sometimes those lived experiences can make all the difference for families and communities when you're promoting hope and strength. I think, you know, you give them insight into, you know, those experiences to make those, you know, tough decisions in life, whether it comes to like housing and finances and employment and college education and all of that. But I just find it, even when I've been doing volunteer work in the past, like I'll give you an example. So one time I volunteered at district court, I was a court center volunteer helping uh, litigants would fill out their paperwork you know, for, for court-related purposes. But um, I was able to connect, for example, with a mom that had a son with autism and she was stressed, she was overwhelmed because she didn't know what kind of service to get for her son. And, and I just thought of a resource. So I just gave the information to her about a specific um, center and it reduced her anxiety so much. Um, it brought relief and I think sometimes when we have the resource, when we're able to tap into our resources and tap into the knowledge and experience that we have, and to be able to make those differences, we can make somebody's day even better and give them the hope that you know they need in life. And so I haven't been doing this in a while because I've been dealing with health issues and so forth, but I'm hoping, you know, with the new year coming and now my health getting back on track, I'm hoping to start doing some more blogging and to to do some more public speaking again in the future and maybe expand on that. I'm going to be speaking to a couple of agencies actually at the beginning of next year about autism. So I'm really looking forward to doing that and trying to promote peer support programs because I actually did a blog for the Organization for Autism Research. I don't know if any of you have heard of that organization, but I've done a blog on that website about peer support. So if you Google it, you can type in peer support organization autism research by Ryan Litchfield. And I talk about, you know, why we need peer support and, you know, the benefits it can bring, not just in social work and healthcare, but in different aspects of society and life in general. So, I mean, I think, you know, that's really my key special interest because that's just something I'm really passionate about. You know, unfortunately, there have been people that are like, you know, why are you so focused on autism and all of that? And it's like, well, because of my lived experiences, of course, you know, when you have lived experiences and you have those personal experiences, how can you not be passionate about something that is a a legitimate concern, you know, within society and so forth? And you want to try to make change for the better. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. What have you learned about yourself from? doing public speaking? So through public speaking, I think I have learned to become a a stronger and better advocate for myself. When you think about public speaking, you know, in a way you're promoting a voice because a lot of people are not a fan when it comes to public speaking, you know, whether if you're in school, at work, if you have to do a presentation or anything like that. 
but it, it gives you the opportunity to persuade and to promote your ideas to help to promote change, I think. And I think that's something that I've learned. It's like, it gives you, it boosts your confidence too. It gives you the opportunity to, and me the opportunity to, you know, expand on ideas and, you know, to think outside the box, think of things that people haven't thought of before. For example, like an autism support group agency that I used to work for. I mean, right now they, they work with people with disabilities, but they don't have like an autism support group. They don't have an autism division, like to have people like on the spectrum or they don't have knowledge about autism, which is why in a couple of weeks I'm doing that presentation. So there's a lot of different things that I'm learning. I mean, and the other thing I think that you'll learn too over the course of time is getting to know your audience, like getting to know the vocabulary and getting to know like certain topics that you can talk about with certain people and so forth. So it's all those different types of experiences that I've learned over the past several years. But like I said, it can be very rewarding. Yeah, I can imagine. Any other questions for Ryan? Have you ever had any access issues like on your way to public speaking events or any problems when you have like presentations? Um, so I'm trying to think, I think there was one time where I worked for a company. I was actually doing a training on um, autism and aging. And one of the coworkers, because I, I thought at one point, one of the coworkers was going to bring the bring her laptop and uh, she forgot. So I was like, oh, shoot. And so, uh, okay. So then we had to call the IT and then it's like, uh, but we were able, um, we didn't actually need the computer. I was able to come up with a plan B, which was to print out the presentation and uh use a whiteboard to have to write everything down and so forth. So at the time it probably, it was, it was stressful, but you know, look, thinking, looking back at that now was kind of like a funny moment in a way. And sometimes that's just what life is, you know, sometimes like, you know, back then I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm in a panic mode and stuff. And then it's like, okay, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen if you don't have this. It's like, then you just have to improvise just like actors and actresses have to improvise sometimes. Or, you know, people that go on stage, it's like, because the reality is, is that, you know, we're not perfect. I mean, we do the best we can to, you know, perform well or to have a speech, you know, presented well, but sometimes things are just thrown at us. And it's like, you just, you just try to, you come up with an alternative plan and so forth. So there was probably that moment. But other than that, I don't do a ton of planning when it comes to public speaking, because I kind of know what I want to talk about. And what's interesting is I can expand, like branch out on different topics and stuff. So it's like, I can soak up the information almost like a sponge. So it's kind of like, you know, once I kind of have like just a brief idea of what I'm going to talk about, I can just go. So. Cool. Do you write down your ideas beforehand or do you just like kind of come up with it? Because for me with my blog, I actually write things down beforehand when like an idea comes to me because they come to me at the worst times. And if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. And like, I'm so bad with like, right when I'm about to go to bed, an idea hits me and I'm like, wait, I got to write this down. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, so like when I do the blogging, sometimes I'll focus on like current events or I'll focus on like the research that's been put out like that. Again, that's current. 
and try to expand on those th- my thoughts and opinions and ideas on that. So I might go, you know, look at different peer reviewed articles or take from different books or again, I, I think it's good to, you know, have opinions and thoughts about, you know, the ideas surrounding, you know, the different topics surrounding the autism spectrum and so forth. But yeah, I mean, you know, like what you said, Mary, sometimes for me, it's like sometimes you have these brilliant ideas in your head and it's like, you know, you, you're either walking one day or you're doing an activity or something and it's like, oh my God, that's a great idea. And then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, when you don't write it down, it's like, shoot, I forgot. People say, you know, oh, you know, when you have a great idea, you should definitely write it down. And then I can see why it can be important sometimes because it's like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. And then seconds later, it's just like gone. (laughs) So it'll be great to see what other topics and new current news and stuff that's going on, especially with the increasing rate of autism and especially with older adulthood too. I mean, there's definitely a need for services because I mentioned that um, in my podcast that I did through actually here through Autism Knows No Borders. I talk about, you know, the need for more research and the need for more services and supports, not just for children and adolescents, but for uh, adults and older adults on the spectrum. Yeah. I believe you are, is it episode 70? I want to say 60. 60. Okay. I used to remember all of them and name and title, but sorry, I think once I got past 55, everything got a little bit blurry. I do remember yours was a round number and it ended in a zero. Yeah. I mean, if I were to take a wild guess, it'd probably be 60. I think you're right. Well, thanks, Ryan. Mm -hmm. All right. And Tom, birthday boy. (laughs) Thank you. So I think my special interests have been many and even evolved over time. Thinking back to when I was a little kid, I would watch Sesame Street a lot. And I even taught myself to program the VCR so that when it came on, I would record it and would rewind my favorite parts over and over again. And even to this day, I get a little bit of a kick out of Sesame Street characters. As I got a little bit older, I think maybe about seven, eight years old, I started watching the uh, 1960s Batman TV series with Adam West. And they had those captions like oof and pow come up on the screen to music. And I fell in love with that. And I liked Batman's gadgets and gizmos that he would use and fighting crime and wanting justice to happen in Gotham. So I really got into that. And as I saw Batman be made more and more in movies and in different versions of those movies, I also got more in tune as to the psychological and personal transformation that Bruce Wayne made as he embraced the monster, if you will, that was Batman and related that to my own journey in a sense that I had to sort of be the hero in my own life because I too was finding struggles. I too had difficulties seeing the light in difficult situations. And I found myself asking, what would Batman do here? And he's the kind of person that would use his mind to find a way to overcome the problem or outsmart his enemies. And I decided to take on that philosophy and really find ways to be more intellectually and academically up there, kind of like what Bruce Wayne would do. And I found that to be very beneficial and even in some ways helped me accept my diagnosis 
because it was devastating when I first found out that I had autism. But then I thought, what would Batman do? He would find a way. He would overcome obstacles in his life. He would be an example, be that person that people look up to when they're struggling or looking for hope. And that's when I dedicated myself to being my best self so that others could become their best selves too. I heard someone say Star Wars earlier. I was also into Star Wars and still am. I first got into it when I was a teenager. They released the special edition 20th anniversary version of the movies in theaters. I'd never seen the originals or the classics. So I saw like a special virtual or increased special effects edition of the movies. It wasn't until later that I saw like, oh, wow, I can really see the comparison now as to the classics versus what I first saw. But I still fell in love with like the, the lightsabers clashing and the battle of good versus evil and the idea of uh, diversity and different alien species that were featured in these movies. And that really got me hooked. And I continue to watch like, the movies and the TV series spinoffs like The Mandalorian to keep that sort of special interest alive and see what can continue to come of it. So those are some examples of the special interests that I've had over the years, at least on a consistent level. The most recent one that I have sort of obtained, if you will, in wanting to be my best self physically, mentally, psychologically, and some of you might know this from previous podcasts, but I've recently taken up Ironman triathlons. And this is a very, very complex endeavor. And I have to train my body. I have to train my mind and be able to manage pain. I have to make sure I'm eating and drinking the right stuff regularly and making sure I'm going, doing what I need to do to prepare for what's a, a 140 mile race in less than 17 hours. It's no easy task, but I think with my Batman mentality and believing that I can make it happen and that it's going to make an impact and show other people around the world that someone with sensory sensitivities physical pain and but grit and determination as well and make things happen. I really relate to a lot of what you were saying. The part where you weren't really happy at first about being different. I definitely had moments when I was younger where I felt that and I would feel really sad about other people my age being able to do certain things that I wasn't allowed to do. And there would be times where I'd be like, I wish I was normal so I could do that. I wish I was normal so I could fit in. And people would stop picking on me in the hallway or laughing at me and bullying me. I actually got cyberbullied one time. And it got so bad that we had to get the principal involved and they were almost expelled. And, you know, through time, I learned to love myself despite my flaws and learn that difference is beautiful. But Another reason why I got really attached to movies about the characters that are different from everybody else is because I really relate to them. Kind of the leads being like, oh, I'm different. I don't always fit in. I don't always have to love it, but it's okay to love myself at the end of the day. It's okay to love myself and not like certain things about myself at the same time. It's okay to you know, brainstorm different ideas about everyday life and figuring out different ways to, you know, kind of hold it all together. And I also got into Star Wars as a teenager. 
So funny story. A lot of my friends were really into it. I never really heard about it before. And after hearing about it for like the fifth time, I'm like, okay, what's so great about this? So I tell my stepdad, like, what's this Star Wars thing? I want to watch it. And he's like, oh, really? Okay. So he puts it on the TV and he's like, listen, you're not watching the first one. You're watching it four, five, and six, and then you can watch one, two, and three. And I'm like, that makes no sense. And then I watched it four, five, and six, and I understood why, because the prequels are not that good. But um, yeah, it was really great. And like after the fourth one, I completely loved Star Wars and I just became so obsessed with it. I bought like lots of t-shirts, lots of merch. And that's something I always do when I have like a new special interest is I always like look for merch the minute I start liking it. Uh, Because I want to share with the world, like, hey, I love this. Like, are you a nerd like me? Let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite Star Wars characters from the older episodes on the light side would have to be Luke and Leia. But I also really love R2-D2. But the dark side, I'd have to go with Darth Vader because I really like him. And I think James Earl Jones did a fantastic job. And... For new characters, I really like Ray and BB-8. The dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just really love robots, actually. And I really have I have these really cool um, Spiro droids. They used to sell these um, models of BB-8 and R2-D2. And they actually got George Lucas when they made them to make sure that they got like all the personality traits of them. And I also have this thing called an Ollie. It's like a little cylinder robot and you can like drive it around that's my favorite thing to do and I really love doing it after school too but the thing is they had the ollie light side and dark side so I got the dark side and the funny thing about the dark side is it tries to like control you so it will like disrespect like your commands or something it'll be like no I'm the dark side I'm in charge (laughs) and I thought it was really awesome that's another one of my special interests is uh, robots Tom, who's your favorite Star Wars character? I would say Luke Skywalker, given how he started as like a small town farm boy living with Santana's uncle. and But he always had aspirations, wanting to do and be something bigger than himself. And always looking to the stars like, I bet there's something out there waiting for me and I'm going to go get it one day. So he didn't accept his circumstances or he always thought there's got to be something better out there for me and he was determined to go get it even if the circumstances would ultimately put him on that path against his will and how he didn't give up as well when he first fought Darth Vader he could have ended his life he could have given in he could have just thought this is it this is how I end but he decided to put himself back together build a new lightsaber face Darth Vader again and even spoiler alert, succeeded in turning his father back to the good side. So even when the odds are against us, even when something seems impossible, when others deem that it it can't be done, we find a way. And Luke Skywalker found a way. And I seek to find a way whenever I'm faced with a problem or something that's difficult in my way. So I think that's why Luke Skywalker is my favorite character. That makes sense. I can see that. (laughs) I would like to actually say a couple of things. Um, First of all, like 
with Batman, I mean, I've, I've definitely, I've seen the uh, 60s, 70s Batman. So that was, that's pretty cool. They're actually coming out. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but there's going to be a new Batman coming out next year. Yep. With uh, Robert Pattinson. Yep. So that's going to be exciting, I think. I haven't seen the Batman movies in a while. I've, the last Batman movie I want to say was with uh, Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say maybe the third one. I think there was three of them. One was the Batman Begins, and there was the Dark Knight, and then... The Dark Knight Rises. I think, yes. Okay, yeah. Yep, that was the one with Anne Hathaway. But yeah, you know, kind of like what you and, you know, Mary, you know, have talked about for us being on the spectrum. And it is interesting to see the differences we have. And then, you know, when we look at the different characters in these movies and stuff and how they're different sometimes, it's like there's times in our lives where it's like there's days we wish we could be like everybody else. Like, I mean, for example, it's like, you know, like I've struggled to, you know, maintain a job. So, I mean, I, you know, and I would like to be like everybody else where they have a job, a job that you can maintain and, you know, have a happy life and be independent and, you know, have all these different opportunities and stuff. And sometimes you just kind of like what you and like Mary and like Tom's, what you were both talking about is I think sometimes we tend to feel like out of sync you know, like we just, we just feel like we're out of place sometimes when we see other people's experiences and stuff. But, you know, like Mary, I really like how you mentioned about the whole idea of acceptance and just being kind to ourselves and the whole idea of compassion and kindness. And that's something like over the last few months, I mean, so the reason I haven't really been on social media that much, um, I haven't been on this page that much. I've actually taken some time away to meditate and to do some, you know, like deep breathing and to try to really get a feel of my life and get a feel of what I want to do going forward. Cause sometimes as they say, life, as I think I mentioned in the very beginning, life can be quite hectic. And sometimes it's just good to get away from, you know, there's, uh, there is drama. And then there's, you know, there's those, you know, tough realities sometimes that, people just need to just get away, like take a break because it can just be stressful and overwhelming sometimes. And I think sometimes when you people just get away from that, it's like you just get a fresh perspective and you just feel more refreshed and you just, you have better insight into, you know, what you want to do in life. And, you know, for me, it's like just dealing with anxiety and depression on top of that and a thyroid problem, you know, thyroid disease. It's just like, I definitely have had moments where, you know, like people have said, oh, no, you can't work. You can't work. You can't do this. You can't do that. I have had moments where, like, you just feel frustrated and just feel down and upset and stuff. And it's like, you know what? It's like, I'm just going to take it one day at a time. And, you know, we're just going to take life for what it is. And I think both of you, you know, Mary and Thomas said it well, like, yeah, we, we do have differences, but at the same time, we also have strengths and talents that, you know, we're contributing to our communities, you know, all communities, especially here through the global autism community, you know, we have so much to offer. And I think life happens for a reason, you know, we're, we're meant to be here, you know, meant to be here for a reason, I believe, you know, life happens for a reason. Like movies and television, I can definitely see those comparisons and just, you know, having those similar traits and uh, characteristics of the characters, you know, like, like Batman or, you know, like Luke Skywalker or even like Marvel characters, like, you know, like I'm into like Spider-Man and, 
I'm into the Avengers and, you know, they have their personal, you know, stories and their histories and backgrounds and you learn about their traits and characteristics and they have all had to overcome adversity, you know, and that's what I think we're all trying to do on a daily basis, whether, you know, people have autism or any other type of challenge that's going on in their life. Perseverance is absolutely key. And, you know, persistence is the key to, you know, a lot of those different traits are the key to success. All right, guys, we are coming to an end here. Any last comments or anything about special interests? I'll say particularly when it comes to the autism community, and some might think that our special interests are obsessions or we seem so fixated on it and won't shift to anything else that people call it obsessions. And it makes us who we are to embrace something that is meaningful and passionate gives us a good sense of self and makes us happy in a chaotic world and that these special interests can be used towards a career, uh, getting your life to the next level, finding people that appreciate you for you. So these can be used as a basis to better outcomes. The only caveat I have is to explore whether or not your special interest makes you employable. For example, when I was in college, I didn't see Star Wars specialist in the job openings. So I had to be more mindful of what kind of job openings there were and see what I could do to fill a job. And when all is said and done, special interests mean something to, to everybody. Just like how people have hobbies, things they like to do in their spare time for fun to take a load off or relax. And these special interests are, are in some ways our hobbies. Thank you all for sharing your special interests with us. This has been really fascinating to get to know you guys, get to know a different side of you guys, I should say. Yeah, this has been super fun. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. It was so fun to hear our community members talk about some of their passions. I'd love to dedicate a series of episodes to highlighting special interests. Are you a self-advocate wanting to share your special interests in a roundtable like this one? Join our online community and send us a private message to be featured on the show. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.